As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Yeah, it takes money. Sometimes you can say it doesn't take money. You can step in wholesaling, but get started. Evaluate deals. It starts to get you pumped up. Step outside and evaluate deals. And then if you have to find an investor, have to find a partner, don't be afraid to. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Michael Beeman. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Michael. He started studying real estate a couple years ago by listening to some podcasts, reading 20 books, and saved $12,000 and well, today he's got 31 multifamily units and they are under contract with, I believe, 15 right now. He'll fact check that when we get into it. He began multifamily investing May 15, 2017. So he's acquired those 31 units since then. He's based in Casey, Illinois, spelt Casey, pronounced Casey, Illinois. So with that being said, Michael, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I was typical Midwestern, middle class, made about 60000 a year, but my wife and I have seven kids because she had three from her first marriage, I had three from my first marriage, and we had one together. We've been married about five years, but about two, three years ago, I got the itch, started studying, trying to figure out how I could come up with enough money to start a business in real estate. Even being in the rural areas, it takes money. So I studied and studied and I actually went out, I started a side hustle and I started cutting firewood, cutting and selling firewood locally. And I saved up about $12,000. My excitement grew. I started seeing some deals that I could get started in. And then when my excitement grew, I had two people that were interested in investing with me and they put in 20,000 each 
for half of my basically newly formed company that didn't own any real estate. They just believed in me that much and saw how much effort I had put out for it. So we took off. We bought a uh, six-unit building and used the Burr strategy, and we've kind of got the snowball rolling now. Mm-hmm. We have 31 units now with uh, another 15 under contract, and then I have another eight unit that I have a for sale by owner seller that looks the numbers look good on it, and I think I might end up with that as well. All right. Well, I want to remember to ask you this question, so I'm going to just ask you now, and then we're going to backtrack a bit to talk about it at the beginning. How did you find the current deal, the for sale by owner that you are under contract on? Well, that's uh, developing relationships. That's a big, strong point in any investing or any business. But I have a relationship with my banker and he saw what we were doing, our local bank, and he's a commercial lender. He saw what we were doing and he knew one of his other clients that was trying to sell out only had eight units altogether in one multifamily. And he hooked him up with me. And then at first I turned it down because the numbers weren't great. And then he tried to sell it to somebody else. And then he came back to me and came down to my price where I told him, this is what this takes to make money. Uh, what you're asking is not going to work. So so it's how many total units? It's eight units. Eight units. And what was his original price? He was at 200000 which sounds good. And it, that can be good. But at the time, I had better deals in front of me. And the eight units were renting for just around uh, 490 a unit on average now, which is about $100 under market in the market that he's in, which I saw immediately when he showed me that originally. And I knew the market and I thought, well, you know, I could pay 200 for this, raise these rents. There's a couple other things. He pays for all the water. I could use the rubs method and fill the water back to the tenant. And then I could get the NOI up and then it makes a lot of sense and actually we'll make more money. But I looked at other deals and I had other deals that made sense immediately. And then you could add money to them. So I said, if I'm going to buy a deal, I want to buy a deal that makes money immediately, whether I do anything to it or not. And that was one of my things. I wanted to cash flow from the beginning, not cash flow because I was smart enough to fix the problems. Mm-hmm. In 490 on average for eight units, that's 3920 bucks divided by 200,000. Mm-hmm. That's a 1.9%. So it shatters the 1% rule. And it's almost a 2% rule that I thought it was like chasing unicorns. So were there a lot of issues? There's a $500 bill back on water on the place because I don't know why he would do this, but he basically had it all wired to one meter. The local utility company, when I talked to them, they said they would charge four grand per meter to put the meters in there. And looking at the whole entire thing, it just, yeah, it probably would have still cash flowed. I think when I ran my numbers somewhere around $600, but I didn't want to cash flow less than $100 a door. That's just a thing I have. Everything I have cash flow is better than $100 a door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have got the cash flow up by doing those things, but I had other better deals online. Then he tried to sell it to somebody else. Their financing fell through, and then he came back to me and down to my price, which was at 170 Okay. So right now I just ran the numbers, sent them back off to one of my minority partners. He loves the deal, and I believe that's going to be one of our next projects. Outstanding. And what type of location is this in? How would you describe it? This property is in a great location. It's just outside of Terre Haute, Indiana, and it's a multifamily unit, but there are half million dollar homes all around it. So the location is prime for what it is. 
And that was one of the things I was originally attracted to it. And I could have done the deal originally and I could have made it all work, but I had other better deals, like I said. Yeah, I hear you. And also it's a negotiating tactic. If you see that the guy's had it up for sale for six months and he's talking about one of his tenants' mom is trying to get a loan to get it. And that's what he was telling me at the time. And then this is 90 days later. And he said, well, she could never get that loan. Are you still interested? Mm-hmm. Then he comes back to my price. Mm-hmm. Patience and ability to walk away, whether it's because of outside reasons, like you have other deals or just an internal approach for doing so is the key there. Yes. And when you look around and I've met a lot of people and I've done a lot with exhausted landlords, people that kind of do it the old way is what I call it. They show every single individual unit three and four times get stood up. They do all this, the walk through the month to month leases and no tenant screening. Their tenant screening is just give me three or four references. And those type of landlords, which are all over across the Midwest and everywhere, they're exhausted. We set up systems. We take all of our payments online. This is part of my team, though. I could take a minute to tell you a little bit about my team, if you don't mind. Sure, of course. So when we got started, I brought on two investors that were minority partners. One was my mom, and the other one was basically my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding, and he invested 20 grand. But what he did behind the scenes, which was invaluable for our team, me and him had talked about building systems. We actually set up the systems. We used a property management software that made us able to take online applications, take online payments. It does all your financing, basically does all your books right there. What is it? Rent Tech Direct is what we've been using. Okay. And it was very affordable. And I don't know why people don't do it. Then also, I added this step in. Every time I had a vacant unit, I did this about three months in after I'd been stood up like everybody else does, showing units. You know, you line up two or three people to look at a unit. You maybe have one (laughs) show up. I started doing video YouTube walkthroughs. Every time there's a vacancy, I walk through a unit, do a YouTube video. It doesn't even have to last more than two minutes where they can see the whole entire unit and a picture of the outside of the building, the location. And then I'll upload it to my YouTube page and I'll send them a link when somebody inquires about it. I'll send them a link and then I'll require that they actually put in an application before I ever will agree to meet them. So I'm only meeting with qualified tenants. And after they've done all the effort to put in an application, they've done all the effort to put in an application. They almost never miss a meeting. I haven't had anybody stand me up yet. There's a fee to apply too, yes? No, we actually went back to a free application. Okay. That's just what our market was, everybody was doing. So we went Even back- with background check, credit yeah, we check? we went to a free application because we can do the background check for 15 bucks. And what we do is we screen them through their answering to the other questions. We even have a question on there that says, if this application is not filled out in full, it won't be considered. Have you filled this application out in full? And that's our last question on the application. They'll go back through and refill everything out. Well, most of the time, you can look at the front of an application without doing a background check and rule somebody out. Or you could rule them as probably more likely to be a good renter. So we do that, and then we'll run a $10 background check on eviction history and criminal history, which Rent Tech has right on there the only eviction history and criminal history. And then we'll have a pretty good idea of what kind of uh, renter they're going to be. And then when we sign a lease, we make them bring uh, pay stubs for proof of income. And it seems to be working really well. We have not had a single eviction in nine months. I've probably averaged about one late payment a month. Mm-hmm. We've done really good with. Yeah, lot. that's great. That's phenomenal across 31 units. Yeah. So one quick question. Do you still have your W2 job? Yes, I've kept my W-2 job. What is it? 
I am a VP of client relations for my family sawmill, which basically means that I meet with landowners, evaluate timber, and look at what we're going to select harvest off of their property. And we have a crew that goes in. My brother runs that crew. They go in and they select harvest the timber that I picked out and bring it back to the sawmill. My other brother works inside the sawmill and, and he actually manages and operates the sawmill and saws logs, and then I help on the other end a little bit with selling lumber, but that job's mostly been handed off to my sister-in-law. There's an easy joke there about your brother sawing logs. I'll leave that alone, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, basically, I job for five years of being at this location, and then I was uh, with another company before I joined this company. My dad kind of hired me away doing the same thing, because I grew up in this business, got my business degree, started for another company, doing this very same thing. And then my dad kind of stole me away from them when he was like, Hey, you'll inherit this business someday, you know, trying to bring me on. And then when I joined the company, I started doing this full time and it's my job. I love working deals. Yep. So that's your W2 job. Still doing that. The first deal, your mom, your best friend, $20,000 each to buy that six unit. How much money did you put into that six unit? Well, what we did, that six unit was a deal where, again, like I say, talk about what you're doing. Get out there and tell people, don't be embarrassed about it. Because I started talking to people and another friend of mine, his girlfriend said, my mom works for a guy that has a six unit building that just sits empty all the time. And he bought the thing three years ago, messed with it a little bit. And it's like his stepchild. He owns an oil company and he was over it. So I went down there, looked at it. He told me what he wanted. I shot him a really low ball offer. What did he say he wanted and what offer would you give him? He wanted 90000 which was real reasonable. But like I say, it was dilapidated units. I mean, I went through and spent three to $4,000 a unit to remodel everything before I was willing to put people inside of it. And then I split apart part of the electrical because he was paying all the electrical. So, so the units that I could split apart, I did. There are a bunch of one bedroom units and I have about 85000 in it, but it rents for... 32, I think 3,300, 3,330 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was 60,000 is what I purchased it for. And since I told the bank what I was going to do and what I was going to bring the units up to, they gave me 100% financing. And now it's appraised uh, at somewhere near 145 off of its NOI. And locally in that market, it's, there's 7,000 people in that market. It's just a small town. So but they, have good, they have good manufacturing and everything else. And, and the building stays full. I believe you said you have 85000 into it, so that would include the $60,000 loan, yes? Yep. So that's 25000 Yep. that is out of pocket. And you said you got twenty k from your mom and twenty k from your best friend, so that's forty. Mm-hmm. So there's a surplus there, and that also doesn't include you investing any money. So did you not invest money, and did they not in total do forty? We did with that one. When we started renting it out, as soon as we got the first unit done, we started renting it out unit by unit. We got it full. And then we basically ended up buying another building off of him, a two unit building that was vacant and had to do the same thing. And we were cash flowing half of our rehab money. So we still hadn't tied up a bunch of money yet. So we were basically moving on and probably still had somewhere near uh, $40,000, $45,000 because we cash flowed so much of, of the rehab on that project. And we moved on and we did a two unit building off of him. We did a three unit building. Now the three unit building was my uh, bay of pigs. <laughs> Before we go on to that, just so I'm clear, you got the financing, 100% financing on the first one, the six unit. 
So it did not require all of the $40,000 from your investors. We'll just call them your investors. And then you bought the two unit from the same seller and you were able to use the cash flow from the first property to help with the rehabs for the second one and some of the first. So you still had not used all of the $40,000 from your investors after the first two. Is that correct? Correct. So at that point, you personally had not put any of your own money in the deals and you hadn't used all of the investor dollars that had been committed. Exactly. Okay. So I ended up at the same time as all this was going on. It's not like these went one after another. It's like the deals started happening right together at the same time. And I was doing that thing where I was holding a property with no tenants and no work being done in it because the deal popped up and I said the deal's too good and I went ahead and took it knowing I was going to eat money on the bank payment and I was going to eat money on property taxes and I was going to eat hold money because I didn't want to let the deal to get away. And that was one of the things that I attribute some of my success to is because when a deal is there and I know it's a deal that's going to make me money, I don't hesitate. And I still don't regret any of that stuff because yeah, there was times I was losing money because I was holding on a property that took me three months before I got a renter in it. But as it turned out, the deal was so good because I could see what I could make it into that I didn't hesitate. But there is one property, if you'd like to hear about uh, how yeah, I tied Yeah, the ugly up. one? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the ugly one. So I tried to do a conversion. Basically, there was a very big house. And it, the way it was designed, I could set it up to where I had a two-bedroom unit upstairs, a two-bedroom unit downstairs, and I could redo the garage and put a two-bedroom unit in there. I hired the wrong contractor. And basically, he messed up a bunch of the plumbing stuff. And I was going through and trying to do it right. So I was trying to redo all the plumbing because if you're going to convert a place, one of your issues is going to be plumbing because it's not set up for three toilets, three showers, three sinks, three kitchens. So I went to do a conversion and he did a whole bunch of terrible stuff with my plumbing. And I ended up going about twenty five, $26,000 over budget and tied up $27,000 of investor funds in that deal that I still haven't recouped because it appraised out pretty close to high enough because it appraised out at 110 and I had something like 88 in it. Mm -hmm. I could have refinanced all the way out, but the three units only rent out for 1500. And if I refinance the entire thing out, I was going to kill cash flow down below a hundred dollars a door. So I didn't want to do that. How'd the conversation go with your mom and your best friend after that? They were pretty understanding. And the reason was, was because I had already done so well with some of the other properties. They were really understanding. And I said, look, I won't do this again. Here's the deal. <laughs> I said, I won't do this again. I said, uh, it was an idea I had because the building was cheap and because the contractor quote, I could get it all done for 55,000. My 17 in it, I could get the rest of the work done for something like 37,000. And I was going to have less than 20000 a unit in units that were renting for $500 a month. So that was going to make sense. How do you structure your company with your two investors? Our company structure is very interesting. I am the managing partner. I own 50% and they own 25% each. But when I set up the company, I told them I wanted final say. So there's one non-paying voting share. We vote on who gets that voting share every five years when basically I got voted it. For the first five years. And the whole purpose of that is that they have an exit strategy. If they wanted to leave the company, they could sell out their shares. Nobody does because now their shares are worth four times what they were when they started. 
But yeah. we set the company up that way. It's all in an LLC, and they just own parts of the LLC, and the LLC owns the properties. How much in total has been put in from investors into the company to date? To date, I put another 8000 in because when they put in 20000 each, that meant I automatically owed it 28000 So this year, I put in another 8000 of my own money. So it's basically still only got $60,000 of investor money. 20 from them originally, so that's 40 plus your eight is 48. And then the difference mm-hmm. is what? No, 20 from them each originally and, yes. 12, and 12 from me. And oh, and I put in another eight. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. So now you all have invested the same amount into, yes. the, into the company. And, and, I still owe, and I still have promised the company that I would pay in another $20,000. To compensate for to compensate the for- 50, 50% ownership. Okay. So you've acquired 31 units for $60,000? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that using refinance strategy, seller financing on a couple of properties. And there's some other things I've done as well. I bought a house at auction. The guy had passed away. It was up for auction. And I knew it was a $40,000 house. But when you walked in that house, it stunk from his animals. <laughs> and it really stunk. I was ripping up the carpet and I killed the entire floor. I cleaned the floor, the subfloor, cleaned it, replaced what I had to replace on the subfloor, and then I, I did the kills all over it because that kills the stink. And then I put new flooring down. But that was what was keeping other people away or individual buyers away. So I ended up buying that house for 11200 spent about $2,000 in it, and it appraised for thirty eight. So I mm-hmm. created $20,000, $25,000 in equity. And I put a mortgage against that house after I got a tenant in there for six fifty a month. Put a tenant in there. The tenant's paying the note down, plus it cash flows one hundred and fifty dollars a month. And the tenant's paying the note down, cash flows, and I pulled another thirteen grand out. I did this on a couple different things like that. I basically would pull money out in refinances with the bank after I would had improved a property and I had it stabilized. And they work with me really well because I've heard about people saying, well, they won't let you refinance for a year. They won't let you refinance for multiple years sometimes. And my bank will go in and let me, as long as I have the property stabilized, I have a rent tenant in there and I have the work done and I have they have an appraisal that says it's worth this. They'll go back and let me put 80% against it. Mm-hmm. What bank do you use? Just a local lender. In fact, they don't go outside of 60 miles because I tried to buy a property just a little 60? bit. 60 miles? Yeah, 60 miles. <laughs> what, what bank is it? It's First Bank and Trust in Marshall, Illinois. Okay. Huh. Because I tried to buy a property that was in Vincennes, Indiana, which was about 65 miles. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, five miles. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he said, man, that's just a little far, far. <laughs> And uh, his, his whole thing, and it made me laugh because he must be a banker. They told him that he, they would let him go ahead and do it if he would drive down and check on us at least once a week to make sure we were doing what we were <laughs> And he was like, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to drive down. And- I don't blame him. <laughs> so I said, that's fine. So yeah. they've gotten a little bit more and a little bit more lenient with us. And now that was something that we were trying to do six months ago. And I'm guessing they might work with us a little bit more just as the fact that we have six or seven notes with them now and we haven't been a day late on a single payment and they know that we have rents coming in in the fourteen, fifteen thousand dollar range and i think our payments are only in the two to three thousand dollar range so because we've been finding the deals and we have the equity now we're proving so our next step after we close on these 
15 to 23 properties and get those done. We have a few extra outside investors that have stepped in and seen what we were doing. And uh, we're going to do some partnerships with some outside investors and try to step in some larger properties. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice would be get started. Yeah, it takes money. Sometimes you could say it doesn't take money. You can step into the wholesaling, but get started. Evaluate deals. It starts to get you pumped up. Step outside and evaluate deals. And then if you have to find an investor, have to find a partner, don't be afraid to. I could have said, well, I want all this for myself. But if I didn't have my partners and I have people working with me, then I would have never been able to get to this point. Yeah, and there was that unforeseen benefit with your best friend where he set up the systems too, that you probably didn't think about that value coming into the team, but then afterwards. Yes, exactly. And that allows you to grow faster Yep, because you can take on, like we just took on a 10 unit building. You basically post to tell everybody how they make their payments, how they provide their work orders, show on the website. Then I don't have to see them. I don't have to take phone calls. I don't have, you know, there's a lot of advantage to systems. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555-888. Best ever book you've read. I like your best real estate investing advice ever. That's one that was a favorite of mine. Brandon Turner has a really good one on real estate investing. Those are two that I recommend all the time. Good man. Best ever deal you've done that we didn't talk about a lot on this call. I'm in the middle of a deal right now that was a 10 unit building, four down units, and it appraised. I should be able to get the NOI up to get four of the, the down units rented and pull six figures in accessible equity out of it. So I'm pretty excited about that, but it's a pretty good sized project. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we have not talked about? Well, I did a uh, purchase agreement with someone on a seven unit building and I found out in my purchase agreement, which I was just using off of a realtor, there was nothing that held them reliable for my legal fees if they backed out. They ended up backing out. I ended up having money and inspection and everything else. And they backed out of something they signed, but I would have had to spend 10 grand. It would have made the building a lot worse in cash flow and other things. I'd had to spend 10 grand to force the sale probably with attorneys or more. So I had to back out of it, eat my inspection money, and I learned a valuable lesson. My contract is pretty solid now. Best ever way you like to give back? I help people. I help people all the time. Every time somebody's talking to me about it, I'm always trying to evaluate a deal with them. Investors, I will encourage them. I will tell them where to look, where to, I recommend your show all the time, your book. I tell them how to get educated and tell them to get started. I kick people in the butt. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Bigger Pockets. You can find me in your group on Facebook. And uh, you can reach out to me by my cell phone number is 217-508-8185. If you want to shoot me a text message, uh, you want to talk real estate for 15 minutes, I'll make time. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. 31 units with $60,000. 
And doing that through refinances, creative seller financing strategies, and even buying a stinky house, pulling up the floorboard, doing some kills action, and then pulling out the equity there, which is a refinance, but I just had to give that example. Really enjoyed our conversation because this is how best ever listeners who have not got going or perhaps want to scale can scale. And you've talked about how you structure your partnerships, what you do, what they do, and then how you've gotten to where you're at in a relatively short period of time. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Joe. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555-888.